I'm Jasmine. And I'm Melz, and I can't wait for football season to start. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week we're covering Season 2, Episode 7, sometimes known as Lonely Souls, or as we're calling it, The Dance of Death. Listeners, the haunting sound of a record skipping is seeping into the air, carried by the blades of a ceiling fan and into the lonely souls of Twin Peaks residents. It is happening again, and we are so sorry. Now let's rock. This episode first aired on November 10th, 1990. It was written by Mark Frost and directed by David Lynch. Returning to the show this week are two of our favorite podcasters who always manage to keep us on our toes with incredible insights like Times are different at different times, or the visualization exercise that really pushed us to think about what a fart might look like. Yes, it's none other than Michael and Dave from the Center Cut. Welcome back, guys. Thank you for having us. We're repeat offenders. I couldn't be I couldn't be more honored. What a wonderful introduction. You're welcome. <laughs> I was yeah, good I job. had to redo the art for Michael's fart explanation like three times <laughs> because I didn't understand it, even listening to it and having him explain it. It didn't make any sense. No, I was like, Dave, get back to the drawing board. This is not what yeah. I was talking about. Yeah. No. <laughs> Big thought exercise for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're so happy to have you guys back. We asked you on for this episode specifically. It's a big one. Mel's and I have been texting all week being like, we're excited, but also incredibly nervous to know what Dave thinks about this. So we're just going to dive right in. What are your overall thoughts on this episode, Dave? I, I knew that you were going to ask me this question. Mm-hmm. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, thinking about it, I'm not sure whether I like the show more or don't like it as much as the last time I was on. Interesting. Okay. I'm certain it's definitely one of them. I just have no idea which one. <laughs> That's a pretty like wide spectrum, but okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, because like when I when we came on with episode two in season one, I I just thought it was a murder mystery. And then as we know, is in episode six, I figured out like, oh, there's just a little bit of magic around here that I have yeah. to like be prepared for, which I'm happy that I did because shit in the beginning of season two got buck wild. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, <laughs> aliens, hermits, demons, oh my, like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it got it got really off the rails for me, I guess. But I'm happy that we're on this episode in particular some some thoughts about some characters really quick before we get too far in. I used to not mind Donna. Now I hate her. Yes. yes. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I used to hate James. Now I absolutely despise him. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yay. Okay. We're two for two. <laughs> I was sweating. <laughs> I know, right? I, I used to think Bobby was all right. Now I just think he's a, a hot idiot. Okay. Yes. Fair. Absolutely. <laughs> and Audrey made me proud. Oh, that's oh my nice. gosh. Yay. Yeah. So, so those were some of the, the main character hits for me. I, it was a, a quick anecdote. I was watching a, a lot of the episodes uh, here in the last few days, and my wife happened to sit in with me on a few, and she's never seen the show. And 
I randomly I, I got excited when Log Lady came on the screen, uh, especially I think it was in episode seven that I that I was excited that Log Lady showed up towards the end of the episode. And I explained kind of her whole shtick because it was the first time she'd really seen Log Lady. And I said, I you know, I like her because she's like weird and like kind of eclectic and, and weird. And and my wife, word for word, why? She's the most normal person in this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's great. <laughs> in many ways, that's yeah. accurate. Yeah, that's yeah. Accurate. And I think I think she hit the the nail on the head there. Yeah, everyone's freaking nuts, and and shit is crazy. But but yeah, I uh, I liked this episode a lot because I finally know who the killer is. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Ooh. Okay. Cool. Well, that's dun, dun, dun. yeah. That's I mean that's a great response. I feel a little less nervous now. <laughs> Good. I'll make sure yeah. to change that before the end. Okay. I- would expect nothing less. Uh, Michael, what about you? I know I already said it at the top. I'm honored to be here, but for this, this is a this is a top three episode of Twin Peaks, in at least in the first two seasons. I know I know you both are season three fanatic, the mm-hmm. return fanatics. This is a top three episode, and it's what what is it when you when you die? What's the award like a Purple Heart or you're injured? I feel like I'm getting the Purple oh, yes, Heart, a purple for, heart. Po- for yeah. Twin Peaks podcasting is being on this episode. That's awesome. I just. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about it, but the ending in particular, it just it definitely shows how the director, more than actors, writers, etc., can still have such a stranglehold on the quality and feel of a piece like that. end is mm-hmm. David Lynch. And it's just so it's so iconic. And I'm just proud to be here. Thank you. Love that. Yay. I love Miles, it. You want to share was your terrible. thoughts? <laughs> it was not well it was you know i do <laughs> it was i'm wiping away a tear for everyone listening like <laughs> that moved me in ways i didn't know i could be moved so okay this episode one of my absolute favorites um i will go ahead and say that after the next episode that that's where i started feeling like season two started like i felt like this was should have been the penultimate of season two um so if you have not watched further ahead maybe you'll see what i'm saying about that but that's how amazing this episode was for me i agree it's like one of the top episodes of the series i mean we finally get some of the mystery solved i mean Yes, in a roundabout way, but there's just so much more that is to come without being too spoilery about it. But um, yeah, so it's one of my favorites. I'm so glad the Log Lady is back. I mean, we've gone, I I mean, I know we talked about being in a Bobby drought, but I was also in a Log Lady (laughs) drought because I was like, where's my girl? I mean, last time I saw her, she was spitting gum at the double R and we haven't seen her since. Like, what has she been up to? You know? So yeah, I was glad for that. And I agree so much about the ending being just so Lynch. Like the last probably 10 or 15 minutes of the episode, I was in such suspense and I was on the edge of my seat, even though you knew exactly what was going on. It was just done in such a amazing way, for lack of a better term. So I loved it. I agree. One of the top episodes. I can't wait to talk about it. Yep, I agree. It's definitely one of my favorite episodes of the series overall, though I do find it a little bittersweet. I mean, I am kind of of the mind that like I would have never cared if we learned this whole reveal. It's I I do wonder what Twin Peaks would be if we never learned this mystery. 
But that scene, I mean, it's so, I mean, it's obviously tragic, but it's the the whole episode, that big scene later with Bob and Laura or with Maddie, uh, beautifully written, beautifully directed. It's like this horrible ballet that's happening. It's a beautiful dance and it's, it's such a fantastic episode. And Michael, you're right. I mean, you can tell almost instantly that this is a David Lynch episode and I haven't cared so much about the directing of this show since maybe like episode four of this season. And it's all I could really pay attention to this time around because it's just so there in your face. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I kind of want to skip everything until that scene, but we can't. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's dive into some damn fine facts. We've got the date tracker. Of course, this episode takes place on Thursday, March 9th. It's no big deal, you guys, but this episode did first air on my third birthday. So I just kind of think <gasps> me and Twin Peaks were always meant to be. I know. I know. Thank you so much. I love it. It's pretty cool. Well, you know what? Guess what? March 9th is my mom's birthday. So, I mean, Maddie died on my mom's oh, birthday. Wow. Talk about wow. Get the notorious and notorious B.I.G. <laughs> I know. Like it was March 9th is just an infamy, right? <laughs> total, total infamy. Let's talk for a second about J-un-m solitaire. It actually translates to I have a lonely soul, which I think works better within the context of Twin Peaks because it kind of suggests that the soul is separate. And that, like, I just, Twin Peaks is a world of people with lonely souls. I think on the surface, everybody seems busy and for the most part happy. I mean, Some people, a lot of people are in more than one relationship. They're all tangled up in this web of mystery and everything. But when you look beneath all of that, their souls are very lonely. So I think that I don't don't know why they went with the different translation. Maybe they just didn't know what it actually was, but I don't know. Uh, And then the final damn fine fact for this week. Got to talk about Missoula, Montana. It's mentioned a few times here. It is the birthplace of David Lynch. That explains Man. why he's so out there. He had he lived in Montana. Like you <laughs> yes. have to you have to come up with your own fun in your mind. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Maybe also why Montana is just like everywhere in this yeah. show. I mean, you've got the Montana on, yeah, Invitational mm-hmm. Love, and then Maddie's from Missoula. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, cool David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, before we get too deep, I just I, I want to apologize that I'm sick. I just you all you'll all have to carry my limp body like Leland. Oh with God! Maddie's oh, dance. Well, so, I'm not gonna kiss your me. bloody mouth. You can't ask me. Yeah. Okay, I won't do it. Okay, that's that's an going a little place far. For you to but we'll carry you. Plop that in there. <laughs> but fine. You just needed to find a place for that's a joke. Had it written down said. on a separate sheet of paper. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, Harry and crew say goodbye to Gordon and hello to a warrant for the Great Northern. So at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, they are ready to head up to the Great Northern because as we left off in the last episode, Mike did give the clue about uh, the being the place with many rooms, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have the quote written down. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but they figured out that that was the Great Northern, and that is where Bob is supposedly at right now. In the meantime of that, they also want a warrant for Harold's apartment, and um Gordon is saying goodbye to Twin Peaks for right now, and he's on the way back to Bend, Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) Very good, Cole. Love it. This is another scene where it's like recapping the info, but make it strange. 
Like this yeah. is this scene is bizarre yet mundane. It's like you're just having a cup of coffee with your coworkers. It's so normal, but you're standing in this bizarre line. Like nobody does this. It's so Twin Peaks right off the bat. No, I love it. It's just like the idea of just finishing your coffee before you do important mm-hmm. business. It's just so small, small town. I don't know that any real FBI agents would go with that. Like if Albert was there, that wouldn't fly. It'd be like, get your long haired ass <laughs> over to Harold Smith's yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah. Tie that hair back and get to business. We don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's overwhelmed by the balls at the Great Northern, and hey, who can blame him? But he's also trying to suss out Bob when he has an episode. So, okay, immediately. All you hear are just these bouncing balls. And I was like, this is driving me insane. So if I were to put myself in Mike's shoes and I were having a schizophrenic type episode and all I could hear were bouncing balls on the hardwoods of the Great Northern, I would have lost my shit. Okay. Like it was just, oh my God. Like I don't even know how he. It's so chaotic. It's so chaotic. And I love the fact that they're just lining like, oh, you over there, stewardess, come over here. Is this Bob? You know, and he's like, no, no. <laughs> it's just so dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. But it's great. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, we go through that. You know, they're just trying to figure out where Bob's at. And then Mike does have another one of his sort of freakouts when Ben shows up, which could be a clue as to what's going on here, because, I mean, obviously Ben's tied in with a great northern and Mike, you know, just started freaking out like he wasn't doing with everyone else. So and I love the fact that Ben just comes around that corner with that stogie and he's like, what the hell is going on here? You know, (laughs) it's just like you have no idea what's going on inside your own hotel. Like they're conducting a full blown like suspect lineup in your lobby and you're just like what's what's happening yeah that here? felt weird to me that that they said that the they had the hotel's full cooperation but then ben didn't know what was going on that was kind of yeah. weird to me i mean i don't know i know that a few episodes ago we had that like uh head stewardess or something like that that like he trusts uh, i don't know if he just trusts her to like run pretty much everything so he doesn't involve himself a whole lot with it but i did just find it very odd that he didn't know what was going on because they had said that they gave their full cooperation right i know if i owned a business and the fbi called like the manager that i i had there and was like hey we're coming over to investigate everyone there i think i probably would have told my boss (laughs) yeah and given okay given who ben horn is I could see him not really caring about everything that's happening at the Great Northern. But given that it's the FBI coming and we know that he's into some shady shit, I would feel like he would want to know about that for sure. I I love that scene of him walking around the corner, though. He's so angry. It's so intense, mixed with all the sounds of the balls bouncing. It's so chaotic. It's so full of tension. It's great. And I this is the beginning of. Throughout this episode, there's so much sound and so much noise. Like, I, I feel like the music never stops. And then that really, like, when we get to that great scene at the end, I think that really amplifies the quiet music that's happening there. But, yeah, there's just so much chaos right off the bat. It's great. I also think this is, like, the fir- third time now that, like, a group of people has gone to the to the hotel and they've been just completely out of control and like 
chaotic and everything. So I think it just kind of falls in line with the rest of the show and the way that yeah. they're just trying to position that hotel is always full and chaotic of weird, odd shit. Yeah, like the marching Absolutely. band, the Icelanders. Yeah. The quartet that just happened to be like in the background that one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just smoking, like hanging out. <laughs> I'm always torn when Lynch employs the annoying sound gag. Mm-hmm. He does it a lot in The Return, too. Like, I like it metaphorically, and I like it for the art's sake. But as a viewer trying to enjoy what I'm watching, it straight up sucks. <laughs> like, I don't know. I watch TV to drown out the repetitive monotony, not hear it in chorus. That said, though, I think the meaning here is that all of these FBI agents, all the police, everybody has, quote unquote, dropped the ball by being here <laughs> and fingering the wrong guy. Ooh. That's, that's, that's what she said. It, <laughs> because they're because <laughs> they're here, they've now dropped the ball in another another murder is about to take yeah. place in Twin Peaks. Yeah, I like that. Now that's another example of you guys looking too deep into David Lynch stuff. <laughs> you just like get a bunch of bouncy balls. I want an annoying noise. You're probably a hundred percent correct. Yeah. It's a metaphor for dropping the ball and passing the buck and all this other fun stuff. <laughs> Can you imagine? And all the balls Can are in the air. Can you imagine if somebody actually took out like a dollar bill and passed it to somebody? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a tip for your cooperation. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's like a five like... second slow motion of of the ball bouncing on the floor, like oh, a missed yeah. catch, and there's like slow motion shot. <laughs> I do like what you said about there being like crazy groups there, because the first thought I had was Twin Peaks is not there's no airport at Twin Peaks. Um, So why is there a bunch of like flight attendants? Because that's what I assume they were. Either they're flight attendants or they're Navy officers like it because the uniforms look look sailors, I thought. That's what I thought, too. That's what I thought. It's still so odd. Like. What are what it's For just sure. so random, you know? Like, what are they My doing? My wife actually in Twin Peaks asked, there? like, is is Twin Peaks on the coast? Like, it was like a, like right. a question she had because there yeah. were so many like sailors or whatever they were. But like, why do these groups keep coming? Do they have these big conventions at, in Twin Peaks? Like, is it a hot spot for <laughs> groups to go and visit? It is really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and love they that, all though. got customary bouncy balls. Yeah, yeah. Here's your. Like, it's like when you go to Hawaii and you get laid. Yeah, you just you get a ball in the door at the Great Door and have fun with that. So. <laughs> have a ball at Twin Peaks. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> okay, that's going on the soundboard. All right, Hawk pays Harold a visit and finds a gruesome scene. So this was very hard for me because I have really... I keep saying this, I have a broken record, no pun intended, for <laughs> what's happening in this episode on that either. <laughs> But I have really come to love Harold and be very fond of him. I've got such a soft spot for him now. And this just tore me up. Like, I really had to pause. I didn't know it was coming. It's a rewatch. But, like, I had to pause. And I really had to gather myself because, like, I was on the verge of tears because I was just so upset that, I mean, as I think anybody would be if someone has, you know, completed suicide, right? Like, I mean, this that's how much he was bothered by what Donna and Maddie, to a certain degree, but mostly Donna, was doing to him. And this is the direct consequence of fucking around with somebody. And, I, you know, you just knew something bad was going to happen based on the end of the last episode with Donna. But what 
a shitty thing for someone to have to go through and then they end their life or they take their life because, oh, I, anyway, not yeah. to get too like in the weeds with this, but I, I just, it makes me hate Donna just even more. If that's even possible. Like I can't wait for her, to, for me to not ever see her again. Like just <laughs> get out of my life, Donna. I hate you. <laughs> Dave, is this part of the reason that you dislike Donna now or were there other factors? Yeah, so this was part of the reason I dislike Donna and now hate James even more. Right. Is the the conversation they have at the end where he's like, it's not your fault. No, it was expressly your fault. You, you murdered a man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like the equivalent of someone walking up to Log Lady and grabbing her log and throwing it in a fucking, like, yeah. wood chipper. Like, oh, my like, God. Yeah. It's like you're, you're taking someone with a, a parent, like, mental illness. Yeah. And you're directly forcing them to enact with that situation by immersion, even though you don't know how that will affect them. Yeah. This made me very angry. It also puts more into perspective, the difference between these young high schoolers trying to solve the murder and like the professional solving the murder is like, Coop wouldn't have made this type of mistake. Right. You know, like he wouldn't have done that, but these kids are, are not really thinking of consequences or anything like that. So it's uh, it was definitely interesting, but yes, this definitely made me hate Donna more more than I already did. I mean, I just her and James's whole thing is annoying, and yep. and her whole like stint of trying to be kind of like Laura for three episodes or whatever was just like, meh. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it more I, when we get to that scene, but I agree. I think this is completely completely Donna's fault, uh, and it's really sad because Harold didn't want to go outside. He obviously had that fear. It could be something else magical that's going on in Twin Peaks that he was trying to remove himself from. And it's like too much of that outside world came in and he broke. And it's really sad. And it's just Mm. the first of many sad moments throughout this episode. It's also partially Maddie's fault because she wasn't smart enough to fucking follow basic directions. (laughs) (sighs) Maddie. She She had the the whole outline of the whole... She she gave her a map. Yeah, she's still good to fucking figure it out. Get your shit together. Well, Maddie, bless her I heart. Just, I just want to throw it out there. Are we 100% sure that it was suicide? I Ooh. have that in my notes, too. Is that like, I think he committed suicide, but you right. never know. Well, I'm, you don't know. I'm obviously leaning towards it, but I just don't, I don't know that they, there didn't seem to be enough effort to 100% confirm it. Like, you don't just see someone with a with a note stapled to their chest hanging and just okay it's definitely suicide like yes you obviously you lead with that but i i mean especially because we know there's a killer in town and obviously we have the direct connection of laura's diary is it that far of a stretch that leland went there and staged a suicide to get pieces of the diary back like i don't think it's that much of a and because his apartment is in shambles yes it is right yeah, that's, a great that's, that's what actually made me think that at first, too, is that like if you're going to commit suicide, why would you just destroy, especially, right. especially because a lot of the plants were wrecked? Yeah. And it's like if, right. if even that? if he had kind of a mental break or whatever, like those seemed to be the absolute most important thing to him yeah. other than the journals. And I feel like the two things that were destroyed in his death were in this, in this house was the journals and the flowers, which is like two things that were extremely important to him. And I don't understand why he would do that. 
But to, against that is that if you were, if someone was breaking in there to kill him to prevent the journal from getting out there, why would they have even left the journal at all? True. True. Well, because some of the pages that are left implicate someone other than. Yeah, Leland that's fair. That's true. Yeah. I don't know that Bob's that smart. Whoa, but, well. this is incredible. I've never seen it as yeah. anything but a suicide. I guess I just always take that note, like the Jeanne en solitaire to be, you know, that's the proof. But yeah, I'm I'm no longer convinced. I'm not, Again, I'm not like I'm not like full on conspiracy theory. I'm still like I still very much right. lean towards yeah. suicide. I just I am open to the I, I guess I'm just surprised that there's no further yep. diving into. It. Yeah, totally fair. No, I, I really like that. I do too. This puts a whole new perspective on what could have happened to him. I mean, yeah. either way, it's I guess still I sad, just, but. yeah, mm. definitely. Yes. I guess yes. I just wanted to, I, I just hate Donna so much that I just want her to <laughs> be responsible for what happened to Harold. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, fair. This fair. is your fault. I mean, even at the end of the last episode, yes, he, you could see him start breaking down, but he was still like missing his plans. You know, he was still taking care of them. So. <laughs> You know, I mean, honestly, yeah, he's <laughs> no! angrily spritzing you know, his fucking plans. Really angrily yeah. water, yes. No, because, yeah. no, but he like he views them as living things, which yeah, they are. Right. So like they can continue on living yeah. once he goes. Yeah. And I think he would. I mean, I, I can't put and then die and then die right. a slow, painful death with no one <laughs> coming into his apartment. Oh, for Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Who would he? Who would he bequeath them to? I mean, he just wanted I don't the know. bequeath. Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion i bequeath you 100 orchids yeah. oh. <laughs> well thank you <laughs> well what a wonderful world it is at the palmer house maddie's ready to say her goodbyes and sarah and leland seem supportive of it so i just love that it's what a wonderful world playing because it is anything but and uh but it also hits so always, differently after you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And one thing that I have always loved is the use of uh, music in Twin Peaks and how, you know, performances or even just playing a, you know, song during a scene really speaks off of what's actually happening. I think it's great. Except for the song James sang a few episodes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. True, true, true. Well, that was terrible. Jasmine is a fan, so let's be very. Listen, I'm the only that. fan. It's fine. <laughs> oh my only god, fan. it was An so bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's bad. Only it's, fan. It's yeah, I'm, yeah, whatever. There's something in there. I'll get to it eventually. But uh, it's a bad song. It's a terrible song. I just I love it for the Twin Peaks of it all. I think you know, right? James, is you horrible. love it for its terribleness. Yeah, very actually, bad. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Maddie's ready to go home. I mean, it's very, because at first Sarah seems very taken aback, but then she changes yeah. her tune really quickly. It just, you know, because at first, like the look on her face where she's like, oh, you're going to leave. But then it changes so quickly for her. Leland, on the other hand, he's so fucking goofy. Like, he's just like, <laughs> oh, pat in her hand. He's like, yes, darling, it's time for you to go home. You know, you've been so great. A- again, Ray Wise, like, I would watch anything that he's ever in. I've seen everything he's in, actually. But I mean, like, he's amazing. So I loved him in this scene because it it was just so typically Leland. You know, just that Leland, that new Leland since Laura's death, where he's just fucking weird and kooky. And it's just, it works somehow, you know? White-haired Leland. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> yeah, this is a fantastic scene. I love all of the scenes at the Palmer House this episode, but the the framing of this scene is so incredible. Like the pan over towards where they're sitting on the couch and you've got Maddie in the middle, but Laura's photo is like closer to the actual camera and she's sort of, it's like the bad Photoshop of Laura's face over Donna, but way better with like <laughs> Laura here and Maddie, you know, in between Sarah and Leland. And then, I mean, we open with that painting that says Missoula, Montana on it. We get the pan over to the record player, which again, like this scene seems so wholesome. The first time you watch it, there is a sweetness to it. And then once you know what's happening, it's so sinister. And like I said, it just hits so much harder. Everything that's being done to kind of lay the foundation for what's going to happen later. I mean, it's incredible. If I was ever sitting between my aunt and uncle on a couch and they both kissed me after the Ugh. age of like five or six, please <laughs> yeah. call the police immediately. <laughs> like, is that a thing? Something's that a not thing? right. Like, no, like, honestly, weird. I'm from the South and even we, yeah, like, I don't think any of my aunts and uncles have like ever, not even a, like, we barely hug like past a certain age, you know? So yeah, it's like very weird that it's like, I was uncomfortable with the padding and the everything that was going on because I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. <laughs> Especially with Leland it- wearing slippers. Like, that makes it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the line was drawn for you was the slippers. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Too much. I think it it speaks a lot to, like, the the mental state that both Leland and Sarah are in that I think they both kind of envision Maddie as Laura. Yeah. Leland is seeing it from a, a kind of a more sinister perspective. And I think that Sarah is seeing it from more of a, a wholesome, just like a someone, a young girl is in her life again. And she even looks like her yeah. daughter. Yeah. Um, but but still still weird that they're so, so close on this little couch. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it, I think That's it's all for the seat. framing of the shot because it just works so nicely. But yeah. I think you're right about Sarah. It's like Maddie showed up so soon after Laura's death that Sarah didn't really have to deal with the absence for so long. Like Maddie just kind of came and filled that space for her. Rebound, daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's all I could think of. (laughs) That's good. It's it's 100% what it was. (laughs) But all rebounds usually end pretty quickly. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's time to move on. Yeah. She's yeah. been there for a few days. It's time to go. Yeah. Uh, well, we've talked about this actually a little bit before, but the police do search Harold's place. They find the secret diary of Laura Palmer. Um, they also find the note, uh, I'm a lonely soul. But the main thing here is that, you know, like we obviously already talked about, but just to briefly go over it again, like the diary has been torn up. So there are missing pages from the diary. Uh, I don't know, like, what you know we'll see later on obviously in the episode what is left in the diary and what you can try to piece together from that but it it's just always remained a mystery to me of like what was taken out of there and what was left like what was the reason right and where are those pages at like they it seems like they would be somewhere in there right but it's just like the apartment is such a a wreck anyway that yeah i i've just always wondered like where did where did it go? Right, Harold ate them. Bless his heart. Bob oh, took no. them, and that's what he uses to write his. <laughs> well, little, I his mean, honestly, you've got me looking at this in a whole different light now, and I'm just like, <laughs> now my notes don't even make sense anymore. Like, I don't even want to read my notes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm questioning life right now. I'm having a, a 
I'm having an existential crisis. So, <laughs> alrighty. Well, guess what? He may be good looking, but Bobby can't math. As he and Shelly try to figure out how they're going to make it on $42 a month. Now, no, no shade. Listen, Mel, we don't thank you. Here okay, thank I know. You. I Listen, I got you covered, boo. I have okay. it in my notes. Okay. We don't math over here at Damn Fine. Okay, so that was no shade to him. But I do love how at the beginning, Dave said he's the good looking idiot. Because yeah. I was like, yes, yeah. there's a scene in this episode where it's like, so you are just all beauty. <laughs> no yeah. brains there. 100%. Yeah. And I feel bad for Shelly, too, because I think that he kind of strong-armed her into the whole, the whole, um, you know, Leo coming home and getting the insurance money and stuff. And then when she's like, you said you're going to help. And he's like, whoa, whoa, I can't stay here forever. My parents are going to get worried about me. And I'm supposed to be economic. economic. Yeah. Okay, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, yeah, you ain't been worried about bonehead. school. Yeah, like, get yeah. real. Yeah. Um, but bless it. I mean, yeah, like, again, I've talked about this before, but it just shows the the numerical age difference between Shelly and Bobby is not that. Like, they're, I think she might be only a year older than him, but the maturity level is just out of this world because he is just like, I mean, the whole thing where he's like, carry the nine, and I'm like, you should probably be... <laughs> In like basic math instead of worried about economics right now because you, you know, but she's just like, Bobby, hello. Like, we're not going to make it on this. You know, it's just like the start no. difference their in their reality. Are so different. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and then, of course, you know, Leo just fucking screams. <laughs> I, I couldn't take the oatmeal on his mouth. My first note is please gross. clean Leo's chin. <laughs> Get them a wet wipe. Yeah, couldn't handle it. But also, Eric DeRay in this scene as Leo is phenomenal to just sit there with that on his chin, all the screaming that he's doing. New shoes. It's so good. New shoes. All of it is so good. It's, I think, the first time I've ever enjoyed Leo as a character. That's true. Yeah. Like, actually, I was like, okay, you're actually being like funny. And I don't mind it because you've been so horrible. So it's actually kind of refreshing to see you. Brain dead, I guess, for like, you know, if he is, whatever it is, but just sitting there with like oatmeal dripping off your chin and just talking about some new shoes, you know? And also, like, way to give yourself up, Leo. Like, could you say anything else other than yeah. talking about the fucking shoes? Like, <laughs> I don't I, know. I just, it's just like, what part of the brain activity just lets you give yourself up like that? It's the silly. gas part. <laughs> the whole setup is ridiculous i just don't understand why he would offer up information like that it just doesn't make sense yeah no like i'd love to know what's going through whatever whatever neurons are still actually actually firing how is that happening and why it's very very interesting and bizarre Mm -hmm. so this is the one time in a david lynch show that we're gonna ask why yeah. This is the yeah. one we've this decided is the one. on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Why cool. would Leo talk about new shoes? <laughs> All the other stuff's cool. The big yeah, tall whatever. alien man and, and, and the log the lady's fine. But, but Leo talking after a brain injury? What's going on here? Yeah. You're finally getting it, Dave. <laughs> Audrey confronts her father about Jax, and Ben reveals a secret of his own. So Audrey comes in and she just basically lays it out on the live for her dad. She's like, look, hello, I was Prudence. Do you remember the mask? Like, I know you own Jax. I know what the fuck is up. 
what's going on. And then, you know, he's like, okay, yeah, I've owned it for like five years, whatever. It's not a big deal. But then she really gets down to brass tacks when she's like, yeah, but Laura worked there. Did you kill her? What was going on there? And then Ben, I mean, I can't, I can't tell if he's being truthful or not because Ben is so gross that it's just like, (laughs) you don't ever know, like if he's, if he's saying something truthful or not, we'll just leave it at that. But basically he does say, okay, well, she wanted to work at the department store, but Emery is the one that sent her up to Jax. But he does say that he loves her and he does admit that he was sleeping with her. And I was like, okay, and great way to pan over to the black and white photo of Laura on your desk. Like, why? What? How in the world did no one ever realize? Like, <laughs> I can't even, I can't even put it to words. Like, when I saw that he had a picture on the desk of Laura, I was like, okay, Coop has been in this office multiple times. Yeah. Right. Like, he's been in here a few times and he's not the type of person to, like miss stuff. So I find it crazy to me that Coop had never even noticed the fact. Or never put together the fact that there is a picture of Laura on Ben Horde's desk. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. He has I've... pictures of all his employees. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. All the girls from the Employee from of the, the Month. <laughs> I feel like that photo was sort of side-eyeing Ben in a way. Like when he was like, I loved her. And then they just pan over to the Laura photo. And she's like, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> like, mm. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying, though, Mel's like, I don't know that this actually hits hard for Ben because he's so hard to get a read on in moments like this. And I think he flip flops so easily, too. I mean, it's definitely stomach churning for all of us, even though we kind of knew a lot of this just to hear it come out of his mouth is a different story. And Dave, I wonder if this is the part that you were saying that Audrey made you proud because she like she really doesn't let up with these questions. Like even when his body language kind of gives you the answer, she's like, no, no, no. Answer the fucking question. Yes. So it it was this and her like, just not, not trying to figure stuff out from the sidelines or trying to just like put it together. She's like directly asking questions, but more so in a few scenes when she actually tells Coop about it. I was like Mm. screaming at the TV. I was like, you better fucking tell him. Like, yeah. I would have been yeah, so please furious don't be Donna and James in this situation. Yeah. 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 It's like just finally someone is sharing information the way that they should share information. Um, and I, yeah, I was very disappointed at the, the lack of too much throw up as soon as Ben Horn figured out that he almost fucked his daughter. <laughs> yeah. 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 He was just like, oh, really? Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> moving <ooh>. on. <laughs> <laughs> My focus in that scene was definitely. Audrey, um, like after her her dad dick hanger experience, <laughs> and, <laughs> nice. and and everything that followed, she definitely like she's just more to the point. She's more like she also doesn't seem to be caring as much about her appearance. Like she's she seems like she might even be wearing like less makeup. She's wearing like big floppy flannel. She's just so she's just to the point now. She's like this is it. I don't need to dress up. I don't need to wear nice shoes. I'm just gonna let's get this solved. Right. Yeah, definitely shows an evolution in her character. Norma proves her wholesomeness when Shelly has to quit the double R. Meanwhile, Ed and Nadine hop in for a quick break of their own. Okay, like, that might not make a lot of sense (laughs) until I explain, but... Okay, so Shelly... Norma is so wholesome. I... 
I just Ugh. get the warm and fuzzies. Anytime there is a scene yeah. with Norma, I don't care if it was the scene where she had the tension with Nadine in season one at the uh, general store over the cotton balls. Like it just, Norma gives me the warm and fuzzies. And I, I just love her when she's so calming on the screen. So I love a scene with her. Shelly says she's going to have to quit her job. And Norma's like, hey, you know what? This is life. And you're always welcome back when, you know, you're ready to, there's always a job here for you at the double R, which is great. Now, I love that Nadine and Ed come in. You know, I love Nadine and she's so kooky. And obviously no one has taken the time to alert anyone else that Nadine (laughs) is having a regressive moment in her life because everyone is like, what's going on with Nadine? I mean, she's crazier than normal, right? Like she thinks she's in high school and Norma is super like confused about everything. But we get another moment of her just the aggressive kissing Ed and then breaking the cup and then just staring at the blood. I just, <laughs> Nadine is my Yeah, hero. that's such a I good moment so when she just spins around <laughs> on the stool, like fascinated yeah. with the fact that her body could produce this blood or like break this glass. It's so good. It's such a different reaction. Like who does that? Right. Miles, you're not wrong though in that how in the world is Ed not just even taking a moment like, hey, Nadine, just stay in the car. I'm going to go put our name in and then go in and be like, hey, everybody. Just so you know, Nadine <laughs> thinks she's 17 years old. <laughs> like, just go with it, you know? Yeah, like, just, just kind of go with it. But no, Doc just Hayward surprise. said, just roll with the punches. So he's just yeah, rolling with so the he's punches. Just rolling. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. It kind of shows off a little bit of a lack of, of effort from Ed in, in trying to totally. ease, ease her back into things. But I also don't think that, uh, again, not knowing how the brain really works. But if I just like randomly went out and woke up and went to go report a podcast and Michael was 20 years older than he is right now, <laughs> I wouldn't just be like, yeah, everything's fine. I'd be like, what the fuck happened to you? Yeah. Like, how is she to, like look up at it and be like, oh, OK, well, <laughs> something happened to different. you there. But yeah, yeah. something's different. Yeah, I, it's odd to me. Yeah, that's it a is. good segue to, to what I have to say here. And Mel's, I'm it's sorry. Okay. I know that you love Norma, but this de-ageifying plot is my absolute least favorite part of the entire series. Mm. I hate it. I hated it the first time. I hate it the second time. I'll probably hate it every future time that I watch it. I just think it's implausible. It's hokey. And I think, most importantly, it trivializes the actually funny kookiness of Norma. I I just think it's... Do you mean Nadine? Nadine. Yeah, Nadine. Nadine. I used to dislike it quite a bit, and I think it's more so for things that are coming up with it, but I'm seeing it this time really as a lot more sad than anything, and I'm trying to look at it from that lens of, like, Nadine was so miserable in her life that she somehow made this happen so that she could leave behind this sham of a marriage sort of that she was in and recreate something like rewrite her past in a way. I mean, I would agree that there's definitely stuff coming up that is just kind of silly, but that's kind of season two of Twin Peaks for a little bit anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So I agree that it's hokey, and especially like you said, Jasmine, like with what's coming up for like Nadine, like, okay, like I could do without that, to be honest. What it makes me feel for Nadine is 
it makes me feel happy to see her happy because we have not seen her. The only time we ever saw her excited about something was about making silent drapes. And so to put it in perspective for me, I'm like, you know what? If, If I see some happiness out of the character of Nadine because she thinks she's in high school again, I'll take it because, yeah, like she's, she obviously knows that Ed still loves Norma. I mean, you know, like these things are not, they're just in the back of her mind though, but she knows it, you know? And so for me, loving this for Nadine really has to do with me just being happy to see her excited about something. It's, it's great to see that for her. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to say about the scene, um, as you know, I'm obsessed with finding red, white, and black for the mm-hmm. uh, the Red Room, the White Lodge, and Black Lodge. I couldn't help but be in awe with Nadine's black eye patch, her red blood, and then the white whipped cream just all mixing together. It just it stood out to me. I yeah. know it's probably just it's probably just circumstance, but I don't know. It was all pretty bold. You get those three bold colors, and they're all right there. Yeah. And the fact that she takes a moment to kind of stare at it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Okay. Old shoes, new shoes. Who knows? Bobby and Mike figure out what is hiding under Leo's ponytail. So <laughs> Bobby and Mike show up to Leo's. I love that now Mike's back on the scene, right? And he's just like, I don't want to be here. Like, this is fucking weird. And Bobby's like, shut up. We've got to, we, you know, we've got something we got to do here. Like, I got to find out what Leo's hiding. I was convinced um, that Mike just died off camera. <laughs> yeah, like, right? Like, I hadn't seen him in like a whole season almost. No, it's just that Mike <laughs> actually goes to school. Yeah, he's actually true. a student on the rest yeah. of these people. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oh my gosh, poor Mike. Which is what's coming up for him. But anyway, um, so basically what comes through in this scene is Bobby does figure out that Leo is saying new shoes, but really he sent in some shoes for, or some boots for repair. And there's gotta be something in those boots. They find them. It's not money like he was hoping it would be because he knows that Leo's been dealing in drugs and he's gotta have money scrolled away somewhere. But there is a tape in the boots. And we wonder like, what's on the tape? Because all I could think of, and this, obviously Leo would not have this, but all I could think of was like, Cooper talking to Diane on the type on the tape recorder. Like I just was like, oh, it's one of those tapes, you know. But ah, my favorite pastime, hammering boots. Like <laughs> I don't. Why would you even think to do that? Number one and number two. Like, wouldn't you feel that tape under your foot with every step? No, those. Uh, a lot of those boots are actually hollow in the middle inside the heel, like that, so that you, there's air to kind of cushion your step a little bit. For hiding, so things. you might feel it a little bit, but you you wouldn't feel it. it. Would it's not like it's sitting on top of hard rubber, and then the it's just like your your soul is right over that, and you would like directly feel into the bottom of your foot. There is definitely a gap in inside some of the leather in the bottom of boots, like. But that. your actual soul feels it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, his soul obviously feels it because he says new shoes. <laughs> okay, well, you heard it here, folks. Now, like, move, move over, Philip Gerard. We've got a new boot salesman in I town. I was just okay? gonna say, mm-hmm. have you trained oh with Philip Gerard, <laughs> the traveling no, but shoe I did salesman? Some shoes for a while. <laughs> okay, all right, our very own mm-hmm. one armor. Yeah, <laughs> our very own. <laughs> I'll let the, uh, the, towards the end of this, I'll let the demon out inside, and we'll okay. find a murderer. <laughs> Can't wait to see. <laughs> just don't do That's it in both my bathroom, ominous please. and Not promising. <laughs> I knew I was nervous for a reason. 
<laughs> Here you go. I'm the good demon, okay? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Coop reads out of Laura's diary when he gets a visit from Audrey. And without chemicals, he points and they're off to arrest Ben. I love this. Like, so much comes through what Cooper has read in the diary. And it is just, I, gosh, it, it hurt me. Like, my feeling, I was really in my feels during this because I was like, geez, like, yeah, to be a young girl and you're writing all of this down. And I mean, molestation, abuse, it's a friend of her father's. Uh, and then someday I'm going to tell the world about Ben Horn. I'm going to tell them who he really is. Like, gosh, it's hard to really remember that she was only like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And that, again, that's such a small little beat that I feel like you you don't miss it, but it's kind of it just happens kind of quickly. And then that's another little thing that once you know the whole story again, it just hits so much harder because it's oh, not just molestation. Definitely. It's incest. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Ugh. It's, it is a lot to unpack. So mm-hmm. uh, Audrey does visit Coop and she does tell him about Ben sleeping with Laura. He tells her to keep quiet about it. Um, when Harry, bless his heart, you know, he's just always just showing up. I mean, like, he had a great run during this episode, but just the way he walked in, he just had that goofy look on his face, like, oh, oh. And then, you know, like, because he came in mid-sentence of them talking. Like, my first thing would be, like, what does she need to keep, keep quiet about it? But he's just like, hey, yeah, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. like, new shoes. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then they figure out, you know, without chemicals, he points, and Mike fainted when Ben walked up, said they want to go and arrest Ben uh, and, I guess, question him about the the death of Laura. So, again, I'm really with you on this, Dave. I loved, like, the fact that Audrey just went straight to Coop and just gave him the scoop, right? She was like, listen, mm. this is what's going on. Like, I'm tired of this shit. Scoop. I've been drugged. Yeah, the Coop scoop. I've been drugged. I was almost, like, raped by my dad in some weird way at Jack's, like, almost killed. Yeah, like, I'm done with the shenanigans. I like heroin now. Uh, yeah, white, riding the Sam, white tiger, <laughs> whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, man, it, yeah, so I was really rooting for Audrey. I, I love her anyway. Like, she's my queen in my eyes. So I was really like, this is the Audrey that I really love so much. Agreed. Ben accepts Mr. Tojamar's proposal when he's rudely interrupted by Harry and the gang. And really all the man wants to do is get his money and a sandwich. Okay. So I keep forgetting to point out when there's an owl right before a scene. So, but I wish I had been a little more, um, I wish I had made better notes about it because I would like to actually line up those scenes and see like, okay, we saw an owl and this is what happened. Like, so we know the owls aren't what they seem. So it always makes me wonder, okay, like specifically when we see an owl, what's the following scene and where does that like pair up in? Yeah. I feel like it's that Charlie Someone's May done it meme. on Reddit for sure. Yeah, you know, where it's oh, like, yeah. we're going to go here, 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 here. Like I need a vision board of this. Yeah. So yeah. Minus the first part with Mr. Tajamara or however mm-hmm. you pronounce yeah. it. Mm-hmm. This is my second favorite scene of the episode. I just, Ben is such a petulant, child here and i can i can just already imagine my toddler he's going to be this exact same way when i tell him that it's time for bed like no no 
No, <laughs> it's just so. It's just so. It's so so so. No, good. I want a sandwich. No, yeah, yes. yeah. that too. And you're gonna go, go for a sandwich. sandwich. Oh, yes. it's so yes. good. I it's was just, about to say, like, classic. I have a, classic. I have a five year old, and he's always like, food is what he thinks is gonna be the distraction <laughs> for me. Like, before I nap, can I have a fruit roll up? No, you cannot. So, Ben, no, you cannot get a sandwich before you get arrested. Okay, <laughs> snap, snap, let's go. It's time to get to business. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's yeah. great. I love I loved him screaming now. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's such a great reaction. It's yeah, I have in capital letters in my notes, toddler. Like this is exactly <laughs> what that is. I just want to point out that that polka dot tie that he was wearing, though, I mean, that was worth arresting him for. They're needed, Absolutely. They needed Agreed. nothing else. <laughs> Get the yep. fashion police on this. Well, <laughs> I, I also yeah, I also wrote in my notes that I really like assertive Harry. Like we don't yeah. see like super assertive Harry that much, but I no. just like the way that Harry was like, all right, Buster, you know, we can do this one or two ways. You can come easy or I'm going to cuff you and drag you through the lobby of your hotel. You know, like I just, yeah, I was kind of turned on by like assertive Harry. Yeah. I was like, okay, so Harry is like, Josie's left him. <laughs> like he kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, he, he's free. He's, <laughs> yeah, like he's like, fuck he's it. Single. I'm just fixing to, yeah, show you like how big my dick is. Get in. I'm going to cuff you and pull you through the lobby. I'm done with this shit, you know? <laughs> it made me feel that like he's been in like looking at all of Ben Horn's stuff for so long that he's like been looking for a reason to arrest him like mm. like that harry already knew he was like dirty and doing a bunch of shady shit but couldn't ever get him on it so right now that he finally has a chance to arrest him he's like yeah finally yeah and just finally. threw down sarah pulls an exorcist down the stairs of the palmer house <laughs> that's all i got for that it's so uh, this is like it's too quiet in the house it's very ominous it's so creepy i love the close-up of the carpet we start getting that skipping record. And I, it's the first time I saw this, I remember laughing because I didn't understand why Sarah was doing that. And I was like, what is she drunk? Like, what the hell is happening? And this time watching it through, I was like, is she injured? It, it's just such a weird way that she's <laughs> calling moving. up for Leland. Yeah. She rolled her ankle upstairs and she can't walk. <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up. Yes. <laughs> she crawled down the whole flight of stairs. She was in her bedroom. She crawled the whole way. <laughs> Slithered her way down into the living room. Sees a white horse and passes out. <laughs> what a so, day. <laughs> maybe this is a coincidence. I don't. I, I mean, we've seen this numerous times now. We see the ceiling fan. It, it reappears. Yep. It reappears. This time through in this scene particularly that I, I don't want to get too spoilery but the juxtaposition just before we see the ceiling fan we see the wind through the trees it makes me think that there's a connection where the fan is because a fan basically creates electric wind Ooh. and obviously we know about the importance of electricity later on and and in that house yeah you know this house obviously has its its whole thing i don't know maybe there's something to that or maybe just david lynch like ceiling fans you never know but I don't know. Just the fact that they showed the wind with the trees and then literally the next thing was literally the ceiling fan. Just right. made me think about it for some reason. Electric I've always wind, seen baby. I've always seen the fan as another visualization of or, or visual element of cycles. 
and things happening again. Like it just moves around and around and around. But I, I like this new take of yours. Someday I want to create some kind of art where people are looking at it and like, was he thinking this or this or this when it was really just, we need a fucking transition. Yeah, that fan <laughs> looks good. I well, knew I was waiting uh, for you to say very something. Uh, <laughs> this fan the is, fan so is like, like its own times. character in Twin Peaks, yeah. okay? No, it is. <laughs> it shows up in Firewalk with me too. It's, it's important. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this time was the first time that I wondered if... Because we know that, like, there's a smell associated with this Bob character. Like, does he put the mm. fan on so it's not so strong? Like, <laughs> trying to dissipate his stank. Yeah. Frank Silva does look like a hobo, so it very well. Could you be know, that poor man. He was literally oh, born to be that role. Like, he's just so greasy yeah. and creepy, but he's fantastic. Yes. My wife literally commented, like, imagine being an actor and accepting this role to be this guy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's terrible. But well, see, imagine but he wasn't David even Lynch saying, no. "Yeah, like imagine David Lynch saying, you know what? You are creepy enough that I've got a perfect spot for you in this series. <laughs> like, yeah. it's both honoring oh, and also act- offensive." Oh. <laughs> you speak to me as a dirty demon murderer. <laughs> <laughs> just go with it. Just from the moment yeah. I saw you, Frank, it was it was just that. <laughs> The moment you showed up in that scene you weren't supposed to be in, I knew it was yeah. magic. <laughs> oh man, it's the Frank Fart fan. It's the double. It's the triple F. Like the fan. Like yeah, it's the Frank Fart fan. Like it's got to be on when he's in, in a scene. That's terrible. R.I.P. Did we all? Do we look for a fan in the train car? I don't know. I didn't look for one. So. Could have been one in there. Maybe you brought a handheld one. <laughs> <laughs> Those little ones that shoots water out too. That's how we put the fire out in the train car. Oh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is too much. I love it. Okay. All right. Compose yourself. Full focus. The log lady is back with an important message about the roadhouse. So they show up at the sheriff's apartment. They're like, put Ben in the holding cell, but the log lady is there. I love how. She's just, it's just the log in focus. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that was just like great. Like the log moves I, into frame first. And then, I and then love start, it. Yeah. It's like, you know, an old horror film where it's like, all you see is the killer's <laughs> knife and you're like, oh no, it's Michael Myers. Like this was like, I was like, oh, it's Margaret. Yes. The log, yeah. you know, like yeah. that was great. <laughs> I just loved that scene. Um, so we don't know what will happen or when, but there are owls in the roadhouse. Something's happening. Um, again, this is like kind of where I started to be like, man, I wish I started paying a little bit more attention on my rewatch to like what was happening before they showed an owl, because just like they showed an owl right before we arrested Ben, basically for, you know, his suspicions of what was involved with Laura's death. So it's like the owls are not with their owls are at the roadhouse, which we know Ben's not there, but it's just like, hmm, what's the connection here? Um, but yeah, so I, just great to see the log lady again. I'm happy that we get yeah. we get all the great log lady episodes. Well, I mean, to be fair, so all, yeah, all log, lady, log lady episodes are great. So yeah, but we haven't seen her in a bit. And no. I kind of forgot yeah. that she shows up here. But love it. It's really nice. I love the way that Cooper says there is something happening, isn't there, Margaret? And the look on her face, it's like she's she feels seen, I feel like, for the first mm-hmm. time in a long time. Like, somebody just believes her, you know? It's kind of like yes. that scene she had with Major <laughs> Briggs uh, a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago when he just was down for whatever was happening. But 
Yeah. Well, speaking of sweet, Sweet Pete gets the surprise of a lifetime. <laughs> so Pete, okay, yes, I know. I'm I'm gonna focus on Pete in this scene because yes. I love Pete. It's what so you much. have to do. Yeah. So I love it. Just as a little aside, we watched Eraserhead the other night with uh, it was Jasmine's first time. I really want to know, like. Now how Jasmine feels about seeing Jack Nance with any milk, because it just gives you a whole different perspective <laughs> on I'm, yeah. seeing that character with milk. But he does have a milk and he's made himself a little sandwich. He's so Pete Martell is also so wholesome. Like it, it just reminded me of mm-hmm. my papa and he would eat like a scoop of peanut butter and have a glass of milk before he went to bed every night. You know, it's like Pete's just like having his little like late night snack. He's getting ready for bed. Um but then we do have to talk about the stank in this scene, which is Mr. Tojamara does show up. He talks about being attracted to him. Pete's like, hold your horses here, bud. Like, I tried to get you to, I tried to buy your drink yeah, at the Great yeah. Northern and you were not down. So what has happened between now and then? Um, and then, of course, it, it is revealed. And this is what we've been alluding to. And while we don't want to talk about Tojamara's scenes, that it's been Catherine in disguise this whole time. It's just cringe for me. I thought this lasted a lot longer. Like, I forgot that it got revealed so quickly, and I sort of feel like David Lynch and Mark Frost came back, and they were like, let's wrap this shit up. Like, this is not part of our plan for the show. We are revealing this. Let's get this over with. And dummy, it's me. I do love that line. I think it's iconic. (laughs) And I... Piper Laurie and Jack Nance are so good. I hate that they had to do this stupid fucking storyline. It sucks. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, fair. Now, back with Sarah Blair. She has a vision. That's her third one, everyone. Of She's a white had three horse. visions. Three visions <laughs> of a white horse, then passes out. So, Sarah, like, yeah. I mean, we can, I think, by the end of the episode, start to piece together, like, why she has the reaction that she does. But in the moment, you're just like, <laughs> okay, you just crawled down a whole bunch of steps. Um, Now you're seeing a white horse out of nowhere. And then you just fucking pass out. It's like, what have you been into, lady? Like, what have you been doing yeah. this afternoon? Should you know? Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> Get, getting at them heroin. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. yeah like, like if, but if you didn't realize that something was up before, it's very clear now with this vision of the white horse. And I mean, just a casual internet search will bring up like the Christian themes of what a white horse is, which is like death. So I think that's a huge, I don't know. I think that works a lot, but I'm pretty sure that white horse is also slang for some kind of drug. Is it not heroin? Am I wrong on that? I don't know. I thought it was the white, uh, riding the white tiger. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, I kind of see the horse as like some sort of guide for Sarah in a way. Yeah. I can't really say much more about that, I think. Yeah, but, uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just super weird to see Leland so casual at the mirror in this moment. Oof. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that, yeah, it's like, so, you ju- so you're telling me that you've been at this mirror this whole time and you didn't hear her yeah. banging down those steps? Like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Very, oh, very weird. It is also... I'm sorry, I did some research. It is also nice. a, a a slang for heroin. Oh, okay. great. Not Thank to be you. confused with white pony, which is cocaine. <laughs> Love that. Wait, a, both wait a minute. That's so weird. 
Yeah. yeah and the but, white jackass. You won't want to know what that is. Oh, we do. Come on. Oh, that, that has something to do <laughs> yeah, with ejaculation. No, I, yeah. No. Yep, <laughs> yeah. For sure. That's Steve-O. No, That's a donkey um, punch. <laughs> um, I do love, though, that a white pony, which is a horse, is cocaine, which has been so, so relevant in this series around Laura. True. And her cocaine habit. I don't know. I mean, yep. I didn't know that prior to now, so... Yeah. So Sarah's on all kinds of drugs. Basically, yeah. Means, I think. yeah. Yeah. Some sort of bizarre mixture. Yeah, and I I just you already <laughs> touched on it kind of Jasmine, but I love the the soundscape here. Like this is definitely a sound mm-hmm. thing I can get behind. I like it on two levels. Like number one, I assume that the record that is skipping is still What a Wonderful World. Yeah, which just signifies mm-hmm. like, no, it's over. It's not a wonderful world anymore. The wonderful world is yeah. over. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then just like the skipping of the record means like, hey, this is this is happening again. And mm-hmm. and, it, and it just sounds ominous. So it's just it was it was a great choice. Yeah, it's so creepy. And the fact that it just keeps repeating, like it kind of fits with me with the ceiling fan. Like it's all just a cycle. It's mm-hmm. all just repeating itself. And yeah, yep. it's it's pretty terrifying. Weird shit goes down at the roadhouse as we realize that everyone's hurt inside. QREM. Aw. <laughs> Everybody hurts. <laughs> okay. So we cut over to the roadhouse. Uh, first of all, I need to point out the blatant disrespect of the beer bottles in the parking lot of the roadhouse. Like, come on, yeah. people. Oh, Clean your shit up. All right. Just I hate tossing beer bugs. bottles and puddles. I hate litter bugs. Pick up after yourself. God. Anywho. So uh, we have Julie singing at the roadhouse. Oh, my gosh. She's got this this voice. This. Oh, gosh. It, anyway, it leaves me speechless because she's got such a beautiful voice. And then anytime she is singing at the roadhouse, you know, like something is about to go down like weird. Right. So, so. I didn't I didn't realize this until this watch through. But I love this song. Unironically, yeah, oh, the song's so good. Shut up, David. The song, the great. first one. Oh, the rocking back inside my heart. Rockin yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Inside my heart. Listen. Yeah. So I didn't know that David Lynch wrote the lyrics for this song. Yes, for both songs. Yes. Do you know? The, do you know about any of the lyrics for for rocking back inside my heart? That's the only one that I remember. Okay, so this is the last stanza. I just find it interesting. I think it. I think it's very fitting. Do you remember our picnic lunch? We both went up to the lake, and then we walked among the pines. The birds sang out a song for us. We had a fire when we came back, and your smile was beautiful. You touched my cheek, and you kissed me. At night, we went for a stroll. The wind blew our hair. The fire made us warm. The wind blew the waves out on the lake. We heard the owl in a nearby tree. I thought our love would last forever. Those are lyrics of a fucking song. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. No. I'm so glad no. that you had that ready to go. That's great. If I walked in a bar and this song was playing, I would want to commit suicide too. <laughs> oh boy. It's not, it's not an, it makes a lot of sense as to why everyone in this fucking town no. is depressed. <laughs> if I go to a bar and I'm like knocking back shots, speaking of Bobby is sitting at the fucking bar, knocking back shots and the sheriff is sitting two tables away from him. Yeah. What the fuck is that? But if I walked into a bar and I'm like, yeah, let's party. And then this shit Look is it. playing. I would have lost Come on, it. It's so I good. Walked it right out. Yeah. No, I dig nope. it too. It's great. I want to know also Wait. where Bobby got the money to go out. Like, is that Shelly's $42? <laughs> I was really no, disappointed in his behavior. He's, he's withholding from Shelly. Probably. He probably has an allowance. I mean, oh, he was yeah. selling drugs. He has to have some kind of money. That's right? very true. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably mm. get a few bucks for some soul rubber. 
True. It's, still, yeah. it's like copper. Uh-huh. Yeah. I really had to think about what the fuck you were talking about. I thought it was right? some kind of like I know. deep cut. Yeah. I was like, no, he's deep just talking cut. about the bottom of a shoe. Soul rubber? <laughs> a, soul, a soul rubber? Is that like a like, is some this sort of condom? condom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I thought of Rubber Soul, which is a Beatles uh, album. So, uh, anywho. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, my mind's yeah, never in the gutter. Spiritual condoms. <laughs> it would have been a better Beatles album. <laughs> spiritual condoms. <laughs> if only. <laughs> that might have been the that might have been the original, and the the producer was like, "Now we need something yeah. more PG we clean for, all the, yeah, they yeah. for all the yeah. twelve drugs twelve year olds." Like, Here it comes spiritual <laughs> condoms. <They're> like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's workshop it, guys. This is great. This is great. Let's rework that a little. Well, this is the scene also where Donna and James do talk about, first of all, Donna in her cigarette, she just annoys the shit out of me. I just (laughs) cannot with her. But I'm just over this with Donna. You know, it's just like, cut, just drop the shit. I'm tired of it. But anyway, they do talk about, you know, what happened with Harold. And James does have that fucking knucklehead. Like, you know, we're not responsible for this. Yeah. She is like yeah. if the if well n- again my notes aren't making any sense now because now I'm like I don't know was he murdered <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if he did complete suicide then yes it is Donna's fault directly because Donna pushed that man's boundaries beyond like any you know just beyond so I can't and like James yeah. is they so learned no lesson though. from pushing no. Jacoby so far that he had a heart attack and this was like yeah. sort of the natural next step really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she actually killed someone this time. So, um, for kids need to learn that their actions have consequences. That's right. That's right. Gosh, grow up. So, the log lady Coop and Harry are at a table. They're digging the tunes. Uh, you know, the peanuts must be good because I mean, Cooper and Margaret both are chowing down on these nuts like nobody's best. I, I think. I mean, I think this is a shot in one take because Log Lady accidentally drops a peanut on the ground as she's transferring the nuts between her hands. Check it out next time. She drops some nuts on the ground. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna go back and watch now. <laughs> I love it. Great nope, catch. She dropped the ball. Yeah. She dropped the ball. She oh, should have came earlier. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to hold your nuts when you're carrying a big old log. That's so when true. she grabbed them first and then transferred them between her hands, I thought, she was gonna, I thought she was going to start trying to feed him to the log. And then I was going to lose. And then you like, look like she was about to just start like mashing them into the log. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. No, but she did pat, pat the log to the music. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I loved it. Like she was into it, man. She was like feeling Dancing herself. with her husband. She was. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Bless her heart. Ugh. Anywho. Uh, yeah. The, and then we get this weird, like, well, James and Donna, or yeah, James and Donna do talk about Maddie leaving, whatever. But then we get this, like, Donna mouthing the words to the song to James. And I just was like, gross. No, this, skip it. Yeah. I'm, skip I'm it. over <laughs> this. Oh, I just had to. Anyway, yeah. Like, so Cooper senses something. And then we do get the giant, and the giant does show up and say it's happening again. Now, does Margaret? Okay, so everything pauses in there, right? Mm-hmm. But does Margaret see the giant? I because think so. she stopped. I think, and I never I had the caught same this. Yeah, but you could because I I rewinded a few times, and I was like, okay, so I was noticing Harry, 
and he didn't really, but Margaret stopped everything right at the same moment as Cooper when the giant showed up. And I know that we see later on that everyone's kind of like frozen, you yeah. know, it's like a say by the bell, like time out, you know, yeah. <laughs> we have our moment with, with the giant, but I guess I just got this feeling that Margaret was in on it too. Like she saw it too, which is very interesting to me. So yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like you're you're using mm-hmm. the word stop, but I almost feel like I saw her still moving a little bit. Like, yes, there's there's I don't think we see her face. Maybe it's half of her face or something. But there was something where I was like, she is she's acknowledging that this is happening. Like, I definitely got right. that vibe. Seems like you got it. Too. I like definitely, her, yeah, I definitely got that feeling. Yeah. Because it's like her eyes got big and everything like she saw what was happening. So, OK, okay. Mm. agreed. I, I just love the giant. I just love it is happening. I just I like that his voice skips like the record. Like he's just it sounds like a record mm. skipping. I'm just saying it. Yeah. 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 He yeah, perpetually plays aliens and, and stuff. Oh, so. does he? <laughs> he was an alien in uh, Men in Black. Yep. Oh, OK. I think it's I think it's like the first Men in Black movie that he was in. Yeah. It's like one of the original age aliens. Hmm. OK. OG alien in the house. Mm-hmm. Well, in the reveal of a lifetime, Leland turns into Bob and violently kills Maddie to prevent her from leaving. Okay. Wow. This literally, my butt cheeks were clenched this entire time. Like, I I knew what was coming, but I wasn't prepared. I, I mean, I was sweating and everything. This was so tense. And it was so heartbreaking. And it was mm-hmm. like everything. I mean, Leland turns into Bob in the mirror. Bob's weird, like, Joker, like, laugh. Or, oh, just <laughs> yeah. everything. And, oh, my gosh. And and then this, you know, he's putting on gloves. And here comes Maddie saying mm-hmm. something smells. Is something burning. So that's the smell of like gasoline. That's what uh, Jacoby smelled when Jacques was killed, right? And so these things are starting to come together. And the whole death of Maddie was, I mean, obviously disturbing, but like deeply disturbing. It was so hard to watch just him punching her. And then oh, that first her. punch is so. Oh my gosh! It's like you hear it crack her face. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And then slamming her into the wall. Just all, it was so, and it just makes you really start to think. Like, yeah, like how, how did we know Laura died? But like, gosh, did this same exact? You know, like what yeah. all did she go through as well? Because this is. I don't want to say this is just Maddie, but I mean, like Laura was obviously something that was like ongoing. Between Bob and and Laura, right? Like, this was just a crime of passion type thing with Maddie, almost, right? Like, it wasn't an ongoing molestation abuse situation like it was with Laura. So, that's immediately what I thought of. But, and then I just have in all caps, like, Bob's a bitch, man. Like, just, <laughs> Bob's a bitch. Like, mm-hmm. he kept calling her Laura. It just, yeah, gross Bob shit. And then we get the fingernail, and I just was... Oh, I was done. <laughs> you know, I just was like, this was too much. It was like, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. So I think Bob deserves an Emmy for his little come to Papa squatting motion that he does in the middle Ooh, of this whole yes. scene in slow motion. 
Wow. That was my favorite part. It's terrifying. And it's like, he's just having fun with this. Mm -hmm. And yet it's the most terrifying and tragic thing that will ever happen to this girl. I mean, this scene has always stuck with me. I think it's the most terrifying thing that happens in this show. It's truly where the show is. This is why the show is called a horror is because it will show things like this. It's like a four minute death scene. I love how I don't think that happens. Yeah. It's so chilling. Like I, it really is. And I, I think I mentioned this at the top, but when we're in the, the scenes where it's Bob and not Leland, there's a spotlight on them. And there's this motion that, like, I mean, even when it is Leland, there's just no spotlight. But the way that he's sort of dancing with her, this is like this weird, tragic ballet that they're doing. Like, it's it's beautiful, but so fucking awful. And I don't know that there's another death scene out there that quite captures that duality and makes you feel this range of motions. And the way that Maddie's trying to breathe through the blood in her mouth, like, it's just so intense and... I mean, yeah, it's super chilling. It has always stuck with me. I've definitely had nightmares about it. And like Frank Silva deserves, I mean, he's gone now, but he deserves everything. It was so good. Yeah. And it just, yeah. the the guttural sounds yes. and the, the speed at which Lynch chose to film it, it just, it makes it that <laughs> much creepier and 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 scarier and frightening i don't know if any of you have ever seen the documentary slash movie grizzly man uh it's about where the 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 guy basically went up to alaska and him and his girlfriend ended up getting eating, eaten by a bear but there's like audio tapes and i imagine Whoa. that's exactly what the audio tapes sounded like is when when, right. when bob is like kissing maddie's chin or whatever the hell he's doing it's just just that sound yeah, yeah the sound weird. alone is just Enough to fuel nightmares for weeks. He was sucking out her chin energy. Ah, that's what it was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think that that moment implies maybe rape, Mm. maybe some kind of molestation, but I don't think that Mm. they could show it. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to get that across without like going too intense. There is also a close up of Maddie's belt a little bit later in Mm -hmm. the scene, which I think might also suggest that in a way, but yeah. And then even in the scenes when it is Leland and there's no spotlight, it it suggests that it's not so otherworldly. And I don't know which part is creepier. The stuff with Leland that we know it's like, holy fuck, it was this girl's dad. Like, that's horrible. But then this like weird spotlight and the guttural noises when it's with Bob is, I guess it's just equally as creepy, but just in their own right, you know? It also made me interested in like what Maddie sees. Like, is yes. Maddie seeing Bob or is Maddie seeing Leland this whole time? Yeah. So, because we know also that she's seen Bob before. Yeah. And that she can't, when she came down the stairs, she like talked to Uncle Leland, like she saw Leland there, but then immediately was afraid. Like, and I, I just don't think if, if I came downstairs and my uncle was at the bottom of the stairs, I was like, hey, it smells funny. Yeah. And then he put up his hands and like kind of, almost a little like childishly came running at me the way he did. I wouldn't immediately turn and like scream and run away. Right. You'd assume like, Oh, it's my uncle like doing some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. But, and, but she like immediately just like freaked out and ran away, which makes me think that like, as soon as he put his hands up, she started seeing Bob and not Leland at that point and like lost her mind. Yeah. I wonder if she's moving back and forth between these two men or the demon mm. and, and, the man, like she's seeing both as well. I don't know. And I, yeah. I know you mentioned that Frank Zil- Silva deserves awards for this, but I mean, Ray Wise 
not only yeah. this episode, but this yeah. this whole chunk of season two episodes, Ray Wise is masterful. He's he's fucking yep. great. Absolutely. And Cheryl Lee is fantastic sure. too. I mean, they're all doing great work in this scene. It's it's yeah. And I mean, there's no I, I can't remember if there's actually blood in the spot, but just the close-ups of the carpet, I can't help but think about the dream that Maddie had. It's like she had this prophetic dream about her own death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the fingernail calling card bullshit, which Bleh. I fucking hate just because it's so I gross. Hate it. Like, that's the hate gross it. part to me in this scene. <laughs> yeah, it sticks it in and then, like, spins it. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's just the fingernail <laughs> stuff has always been, like, a, a hard line with me. I'm just like, I yeah. can't. Like, I have to yeah. close my eyes. I know it's coming. Yeah. Like, this poor child didn't just get violently murdered but i'm like i can't i can't handle a fingernail in the horror i can't handle it this just goes to show you where my mind's never at. gonna heal no, God. <laughs> don't push it so far down oh <laughs> Woo, okay well we're back at the roadhouse and um Basically, we just kind of wrap up the scene. The waiter is there. I mean, all of this and the waiter just saying, I'm so sorry. And then everybody starts crying. And yeah, like I was crying by the end of this episode myself. Like I I was like, yeah, I was in tears at the same time. Um, But this is the moment where you can kind of see like everything is a little like frozen in the roadhouse but as soon as the giant disappears it's back to like business as usual right like julie's back singing the band's back on stage but it's a very different atmosphere because everyone really gets teary and they start crying like really bobby doesn't understand what's going on at all like he's just like oh you know i was just pounding back you know uh Soko and lime or whatever, and now I'm like want to cry about it, you know. Like, but but he's tuned into it, right? He doesn't get it, but yes. he's tuned into it for whatever reason, which I I have always loved that moment. Just you know, nice moment from a little Bobby. I like that he's connected, Aww. you know, whatever. He has feelings. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but whenever the waiter says "I'm so sorry," that's what breaks me. Nothing before, yeah. nothing previous in this episode, but just the way he says it, I'm like, God damn, like that is just so sad. I I just assumed he was apologizing for leaving Coop <laughs> to die on the floor <laughs> in his apartment know, right? or in his room. Well, That's the closure we here. needed from that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate that old guy. So Get him sorry. out of here. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Why? Yeah, he sucks. He sucks. Just because of that scene see, yeah. in the premiere of, yeah. Yeah. Garbage. There's also, I mean, Ben Horn is such a such a strong business owner and wants to make sure everything is perfect. So I would find it surprising that he would employ someone like that. Right. <laughs> like, because that's like, and that's like someone you employ who you're like, well, they've just been here for a while, and like people like them and they're great. Yeah. Like, like I don't He's care if he doesn't do anything years. right. He's just like, yeah. it's just Louie. Like, <laughs> well, it's just Louie. But yeah. then, like, Ben Horn doesn't seem like the type of dude who would put up with that shit. So I find it surprising that someone like that would even be employed as well. Is he employed there? Yeah, fair. Oh, maybe he's just... Oh. Maybe he's a figment. Oh. He does show up whenever the giant is around, so... Yeah, he's True. just a, a figment of Coop's imagination, also holding Yeah, milk. I mean, you think he also works at the roadhouse? Like, come on. 
In no, that I, just I thought he was he there was, after his shift. No, he was just like there after work. <laughs> yeah, in his him uniform. And, so. Him and he got drinks on Friday nights. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> what do you think's buying Bobby's <laughs> Soko shots? Yes. Old man Wrinkles it's has his, my tab. <laughs> retired friend who he's convinced he's thirty years old when he's <laughs> really seventeen. I love it. They're best buds. Oh, I can see it. They're best buds, yeah. That's why Mike hasn't been around. He's just been hanging out with the waiter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hasn't had time for long. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Imagine I left if, you like, for if, this old man. If, 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 if like every seat is just like Bobby and that guy just like <laughs> getting into trouble. They went to Leo's <laughs> together, actually. Open up that Get shoe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of want this spinoff. Yeah. It's like blue in um <laughs> Old school, right? Like he's trying to get in the fraternity. <laughs> he's just palling <laughs> yeah. around with Bobby, you know? Yep. Um, exactly. And then we fade out, which uh, this was a great ending to the episode. We just fade into the red curtains of the lodge. Oh, yeah. So nice good. to get a different credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just gave me a Mulholland Drive flashback. Yep. I, I wondered how you, you would definitely be. see there's I some wondered. through lines there between the curtains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, such a fun episode. I mean, well, I, I always fun feel is a relative saying term. that. <laughs> like, I mean, Michael, when I was messaging you about you guys coming on for this episode, I was like, this is going to sound totally fucked up, but I love the scene where Maddie dies. Like, it's so good. And I it think you so got good. it. But yeah, it's always funny to describe this episode. I could watch that over yeah. and over again. I really could, though, which I know is fucked up, but it's just so well done. Like, every, like the writing, yeah. the directing, the acting. I mean, it's just all fantastic, so... <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you guys were here to cover this with us. Uh, Michael, are you going to join us for spoilers or do you have to jet? I A, I don't actually have anything, but B, time-wise, okay. I do have to jet too. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. And I assume, Dave, you won't be joining us, which is no, totally yeah. cool. Um, So why don't you guys let our listeners know what's going on at the Center Cut? Tell us about the Center Cut, where we can find you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so the Center Cut, if you don't already know by now, uh, we are a podcast where we watch the beginning and ending of stuff we've never seen uh, without the middle, naturally. And we talk about what we think could have happened in the middle, answering listener questions, stuff like that. So you can download our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Yeah. The f- next episode that we will have coming out is a TV show that we don't know yet. So <laughs> that's too far in the cool. future. <laughs> but the last ep- the last main right. episode we had just covered, uh, we've just covered A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. that's exciting. Oh, mm, we don't know yet. We I cannot wait. Yeah. <gasps> I can't believe it's that you guys haven't seen films. that movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a guest yeah. coming on or just you two? We do. We have a, a guest uh, comedian, John Bubble. Cool. Oh, nice. That'll be a good one. I'm very interested to see your reactions to that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty pumped. And apparently we're just, we're actually, I think when all is said and done, we're actually just an Outlander podcast from here on out. Yep. Yeah. Okay. You guys are going to move ahead, you think, with more seasons? (laughs) Yeah, we are. People are, we're getting some pretty great feedback. So I think we're probably going to cover all the seasons that exist. Fun. Well, thanks again for joining us, guys. This was great. I'm sure you'll be back. So. No, thank yeah. you. Thank you both. Well, thanks yeah, for thank having you both us. for having us. As always, we love you and we're happy to be back whenever. All right. Well, we'll head into the spoiler section. And for anyone that's not joining us, we'll see you next time. Yes. Bye bye. Here we are in the spoiler slash connection section. Yeah. What do you? I only have like. 
a few small things. What have you got? Oh, well, I guess mainly what I was thinking about was also that we've already talked about this, but Montana comes up, obviously, on the return right. as well. So, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. obviously, it makes sense that it would be, you know. I'm honestly surprised that I've never come across that detail before, that David Lynch is from Montana. I feel like that would have been something that would have popped up on Reddit, like, as I was watching yeah. the return or something. But, yeah, no, super interesting. Um, And then just knowing, I guess, you know, Sarah... I really feel for Sarah because it's like, especially when we find out in the return, like how she's connected into the the birth of Bob or what, however you want to describe like part eight of the return. Like, yes, all right. of this was already laid out yeah. for her. And it's just such a it really makes you feel for Sarah, you know, like, gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel for, you know, the more like we learned so much more in Fire Walk with me, too, about how this is a repeated thing. And I think until then, you have this question and of like, did Sarah know what was going on? And was she medicating herself to protect herself from what was going on? Because she couldn't protect her daughter. Uh, Or I mean, I, I pretty I'm pretty sure we find out definitively that Leland has been drugging her this whole time or Leland Bob, whatever. Um, But I also, this is such a much bigger discussion, but I kind of just want to drop it. It's like, I do feel for Sarah, but there's part of me that subscribes to a theory that Sarah is Judy. So (laughs) I don't know if I feel that bad for her when I'm looking at it through that lens. But for right now in this moment for this episode, absolutely. It's horrible. Yeah. She's just laying there as Maddie is being killed. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's so, oh gosh, yeah, that's so creepy. Like, yeah, to be Maddie in that moment, like your uncle slash this demon Bob is killing you, but then your aunt is just like passed out on the floor next to you. Gosh, yeah, it's My a heart lot. aches it's for Maddie. Yeah, it's absolutely. So uh, well, speaking of the Palmers and the Palmer house, is this a different set? Because I'm just thinking about what we see in the return. It's so different. It's so, so different. Like, is this maybe the stuff in the return? Is it the actual house? And then this stuff is like a set maybe? Or is it actually two different rooms? Are we look, is this like the living room? And then the stuff in the return is like a TV room or something. I mean, it's a big enough yeah, house. Yeah, I've always, yes, I've always wondered that. Now there is that part Ah, uh, but I guess you don't really get to see her kitchen in the return because I'm thinking about that part where she goes into and she keeps getting the Bloody Marys with that fight yes. on the um Yeah, but we don't see TV. it, right? But even with that, it doesn't feel like it's the same layout because the way that the kitchen is in the Palmer house now does not feel like it is connected to another room that we don't know about. So that's something that I've always wondered, like what happened? Did she remodel? But I was just going to say, listen, (laughs) she had a remodel. She was like, it was probably 10, 15 years ago. She was feeling like I, I do need a fresh start. I'm going to give it a shot. She did the remodel. She knocked down some walls, but she didn't really get any better after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, honestly, the only other thing is that I'm just really excited about all the other horse imagery that's to come. And yeah. it just gets set up so early on. We're going to see it again, I believe, in Firewalk with me, I think, in the palm, like in their bedroom, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the one that's in the red room and the little white horse that's uh, on top of like Carrie Page's mantle or something. The Silver Mustang Casino. 
There's so much of it. So, well, and the poem from the woodsman. Ah, uh, yes. Oh my yeah. god, the joy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was also going to mention earlier was without trying to get too spoilery earlier, I was thinking about, you know, Carrie Page, the missing pages from yes. the diary. Yes. And, you know, where did they go? What did they mean? And I, I know I had to really catch that. <laughs> I really had to catch myself because I was like, stop, 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 stop. I don't think it gave away. I don't think it gave no, away anything. No. But it really like it's where you start to. Well, I guess when you're doing a rewatch, you you start to jump to think like, okay, like, yeah, the missing page, Carrie Page, Carrie yes, the pages, exactly. yeah. So even as you were saying all of that in my head, I was like, it's it's Carrie Page. Like we have the answer, <laughs> but obviously you can't say that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But man, oh. oh my god. Like real quick aside, Michael's take on the fact that Harold's suicide might not be suicide. That's incredible. That blew my mind. Yeah. That blew my mind. Yeah. I have never heard anybody even like hint towards the fact that that might be a thing. I am fascinated by this take. Yeah. Me too. Well, it really changes like a lot. Like, honestly, I kept saying like during the episode, I was like, shit, now some of my notes don't even make sense to me because I'm thinking about (laughs) it in a whole different way, you know? Yeah. Well, and maybe I'll say it here because I don't know. For for the two listeners that also know tarot that listen to this show, I told Mel's the other day I was like, uh, the the hermit has become has become. Oh my god! I was telling Mel's the other day that in Harold's death scene, like or when they find him, whatever, the hermit has become the hanged man. I don't know why I had such a hard time saying those two words, but <laughs> there we have it. I've said it. So, but I swear yeah, there's tarot fans. Yeah. And I've told you, like, when I was first watching this, you know, last year or it, that there's there's some connection to the tarot journey yes. and yes. the in Twin Peaks. And this is a great example of that. Like when you told me that I was literally like, oh, my gosh, it, it is so accurate. You know, I mean, right? like, it yeah. is exactly what happened to Harold. Bless his heart. Oh. I know. The second part more just in visual, but I totally see Harold as the hermit. I mean, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, definitely. I totally forgot to bring this up in the main episode, but the man in the smiling bag or a man in the man in the smiling bag, whatever. I think it's actually Leland or Bob Leland or whatever. Like the smile that he does in front of that mirror. It's like. Leland is the skin suit, this bag that Bob the Smile is inhabiting. Does that make any sense? Is that a wild crackpot theory? No, I actually love it because, yeah, like, there, it is very haunting when Bob does take over or inhabit Leland, like, or when he comes forward, because even Leland gets, it's not just Bob himself, like, his smile, but also Leland gets that real creepy smile as well. Yeah. Like, that's just a connection. And and we've seen it, like, now that we know about Leland and Bob, like, I can now think of them a, a few times over the series where now it's apparent that Bob was inhabiting Leland because he had that really creepy, crazy, like, yes. look and smile on his face. Yeah. I don't think that's crackpot at all. I love it. Woohoo! Even if it was safe space Whatever. to share it anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have, though, because as I was taking notes, I was like, it feels like we know so much now. Like, this is such a huge part of the Twin Peaks mystery, and I feel like from here on out, 
our spoiler section might be more like connection section based. Exactly. Because, yeah. Yeah. Well, if that's all for this week, we're needed in Bend, Oregon on official business. Real hush hush. We're hoping to get to the bottom of this Mexican chihuahua situation. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Damn Fine TV podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Come hang out with us on Instagram and Twitter at Damn Fine TV. You can find me on Instagram at Damn Fine Witch and Mel's at Superficial Mel's. And if you're watching TV, make sure it's Damn Fine TV. Damn Fine TV. I don't think that you can get too much Twin Peaks.